Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and for now I'm an Arsenal fan. And uh, it's been a bit of a slow news day. I'm not really sure what we're going to talk about on today's show. Not much to, not much to discuss. No, we were originally, so we're recording this on Monday the 19th of April and we were originally planning to do an episode shortly after the Arsenal-Fulham game on Sunday. But when there were the, the rumours of the Super League, we decided maybe we should wait for a day just to see what happens, see if this actually, if there is this announcement they're talking about. And I'm glad we did, because not only is the European Super League a thing, but also Mourinho has been sacked. Um, let's start with the Super League first. Arsenal and Tottenham both oh, involved in it. Um, Arsenal Supporters Trust, I think, put out some sort of statement where they said something along the, along the lines of this was the end of Arsenal as a sporting institution if this goes ahead as planned. Do you agree with that statement, Jason? And, and, and how do you feel about this Super League news? <sighs> a big bold statement and to be honest I didn't I skimmed and knew that all the supporters trust have been making statements and I think there's been a statement from everyone in world football today except you know some of the top top players um, and managers apart from Klopp just now who was kind of forced it was forced upon him Um, I don't know how I feel I think I kind of I kind of saw something and thought oh we've been hearing about this for years it's never going to happen whatever and then when I saw, I started reading it. I was like, okay, so they're they're trying to say that you've got your normal league calendar, but instead of the Champions League, these clubs think we want to have a league type format with the biggest clubs, almost as a rival, so we don't need to be playing the smaller clubs every time. And then it starts to get complicated when you've got all the other bodies saying, well, you can't have it both ways. You're either in the status quo or you're out on this on your own. And that's, I think it's that part and the closed shop part, as people are saying, that's causing the most controversy that, you know, these clubs who are, who are founding fathers, that's it. You know, we're in forever, basically trying to immortalise these clubs as the biggest clubs forever and ever, which isn't fair because, you know, it, it, it worked in their favour, remember, 50 years ago when Forest and Leeds and Villa, they were all top clubs and then the tide changed and it benefited them. So, you know, I'm thinking back to 92 and obviously I don't know about this directly, but I can't remember exactly what happened to the Premier League, but they, they ended up doing like an 18-man, 18 18-team 18 league and a couple were relegated. But at least, you know, it was fair game after that. But with this, I mean, a few five clubs on merit, but then the founding fathers can't get relegated. So what? You, How does that work? Do you just bring in five guest teams to just play exhibition matches? What's the incentive to everyone else? Um, I don't know. The, the only thing is, and I've heard it from a few Arsenal bloggers, that I'm almost happy to be in it with all the big boys and also out of it with all the big boys. So if it works or it goes ahead... We're considered amongst the elite and, and, and we're all in this together and we're having the money and I don't know. I can't, I, I, I don't think any fan really, everyone's trying to claim quite moral high ground here. But if there is this thing and JP Morgan are funding it this much and it's everywhere and it's the biggest thing and it goes ahead, you'll want to be a part of it. You'll all be tuning in. But at the same time, you know, it, it 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 just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for how in the long term it could there could be any enjoyment in coming last in this group. And and, and what is the trophy? It's yeah, we won again. Like to be honest, it'll be Real Madrid versus Barcelona in the top two every uh, final every time. I mean. I could have got I could have got behind it in as a format on its own aside the Champions League I think I mean the league format I quite like but I don't like the exclusivity of it but it does benefit Arsenal and it certainly benefits Spurs I mean this isn't the time really because we're all we're all as bad as each other but you know you know how I feel about this. 
Arsenal don't belong there on recent merit. But Spurs just don't belong there full stop. But anyway, it's hypothetical because who knows whether this thing actually goes ahead. I mean, people are saying, oh, it's a negotiating power. But I don't know. This is a big thing to have got government involved across Europe. And to have hit so many nerves, they won't, they'll, it'll either go ahead or the consequences will be pretty catastrophic, I think, at this stage. And um, whether that means relegation for all our clubs, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe this could be the, by, as a punishment, it could be the great, great equaliser. You know, we've always thought, let's slap down these teams. They could say, right. You're banned from making chances for four years. You're all going down to League One, and and it, and the the smaller clubs or the clubs who are loyal to the system benefit. I don't know. I don't know where this is going, Michael. I honestly don't. It just feels so random. The timing feels weird. Apart from the fact that there was a Champions League announcement today of the format, that the the timing and history is very weird. But they're trying to spin it as a as a way to kind of support the club. But hold on a sec. I think I could think of a few things those 3.2 billion or whatever could go um, better towards. Perhaps like vaccines for everyone or more medical staff training. You know, it's, it's maybe raise the NHS wages first. I don't know. Um, but, but, you know, this show isn't about politics. And, and, and it, this thing really isn't at its core, I think, about traditional politics in that sense. It's about... It's about football and what we enjoy. And you have, I think you can't deny there are two sides to it. Everyone in the world will tune in to Man City Barcelona in a final if it's exciting and there's money in it and, it, and it's just the big thing. But at the same time, would we be saying that 10 years down the line and we've done it again and again and again? I don't know. And, and I'd love to hear your thoughts because I think, I think it'd be interesting to hear it from you know, in a, in a way, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, um, tell me if I'm speaking out of turn a bit, but as a Spurs fan, Spurs fans weren't used to being, even in the Champions League 12 years ago or so, and suddenly now, by this level, you're considered part of the top things. I mean, back then, when we were kids, we would have said, you know, if there was ever something, it would have been maybe, it was, it, I, this, this is the point I want to make, if, if it was ever going to happen, it made sense like 15 years ago when it was like we had the top four. It was Liverpool, Chelsea, United, Arsenal. You had Barca, Real Madrid, the two Milans, and that's it. Leon, Rangers, Celtic, that was it. But now you've got so, it's, it's been so diluted. And I'm sure the other three who come in, these founding teams will be quite diluted as well. So what's the point? So yeah, I'm just interested. Like it must be quite overwhelming, you know. Imagine if you'd you've been in a deep long sleep and you wake up ten years later, you're like, oh, oh Spurs, what? Um, but yeah, it must be a very overwhelming day for you um, with everything that's happened. And and I'll make this comment right now. There is no way that that Jose Mourinho sacking timing was a coincidence. That is PR and a half. But I'll, th- I'll throw it back to you because I'm I've. Uh, I haven't got much more to say, to be honest. Yeah, well, it has been, um, I'd say, embarrassment and exhaustion are probably my two main emotions at the moment. Um, on, on the Super League thing, I mean, you said about Spurs uh, not deserving to be there, and, and I completely agree. I mean, if there were going to be six Premier League teams who, who were sent to a Super League, I could easily make kind of an impassioned defence and argument as to why Spurs should be among them. But the fact of the matter is this Super League has nothing to do with merit. The fact that it's a closed shop it's all to do with money. It's all about trying to freeze things as they are now. And like you said, if this had happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it would have been a different collection of teams in it each time because football is cyclical. Teams, their fortunes rise and they fall. And you can't, and, and this is just an attempt to try and swim against the tide and to try and keep things how they are now forever. And like you said, I think if they'd had, if they'd said, look, we're sick of the Champions League. We want to do a brand new European club tournament. And this is what it's going to be like. But other teams can get into it. There is promotion relegation. Everyone's invited. And if they'd struck that tone, 
then maybe I think people could have been a little bit more receptive to it. But in making it a closed shop, they've made it not just an attack on the Champions League, but also on the domestic leagues. Because if these clubs are allowed to be in the European Super League and the domestic league, then all the money and revenue they'll get from being in the Super League, it'll either mean they then dominate their domestic leagues more than they already do, or they'll be so prioritised on the Super League that they'll put out their reserves at the weekend and devalue and undermine that tournament and how much money the TV broadcast deals for those leagues are worth, therefore negatively impacting all the other clubs. But if, I mean, maybe this would have just met resistance regardless of what form it took, but I feel like it's just so tone deaf the way they've done it. If they'd struck more of a tone of, look, everyone's invited, UEFA, you know, people don't like UEFA. UEFA is a very, very flawed organization and and let's not pretend that their opposition to this is out of love of the game it's because they're worried that they're going to have a smaller piece of the pie now they're just angry that it's not the uefa super league right (laughs) if they'd come out and said we don't like uefa we can do it better let's do our own european club tournament and everyone's invited we're the founder clubs but teams can come in and out and and we're not going to try and monopolize this we're doing you know and, and actually done it for the good of football rather than trying to like you say claim they're doing it for the good of football when everyone can see through it and i think in a way you said about politics and obviously yeah this isn't a, a political podcast but i feel in doing this the clubs have kind of politicized football now and i feel like this is the natural consequence of what happens when you allow football clubs to become businesses and you know for for many years now we've all um accepted if not outright enjoyed and encouraged the uh corporatization of football because of of the benefits we we think that it's brought us in terms of entertainment and quality but why should the american billionaires who own united or liverpool or the russian oligarchy who owns chelsea or the 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 states that own uh, man city you know why should they care about uh, the domestic leagues or about the way things work they're looking at these as businesses and they want to safeguard their business they want to have a a sure thing they want to make sure that they 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 don't have to worry about qualification that they're, they're always secure you know they some of them come from an american sports background where there isn't promotion and relegation and so they're behaving as as they would do. And I think it's quite telling that in Germany, where fans are much more part of the ownership structure of football clubs, that that none of their clubs have joined. And I think in a way, if fan groups and other organisations are successful in stopping this, that's not enough, because this idea will just rear its head again five years, 10 years down the line, because ultimately the owners of of these clubs, as long as they are detached from where these clubs have come from, will always push towards this, because it's naturally where the money is going to lead to and it's naturally what they're going to want to do so I feel like it's not enough if you're against this just to stop it you need to in a way kind of unwind and unravel the past 20-30 years of football almost if you're serious about actually stamping this out and I feel like yeah with with Tottenham and Arsenal it it, we're almost the two clubs that everyone's laughing at for, for being in this and you can see why because I mean we got knocked out the Europa League to Dynamo Zagreb you drew at the weekend to Fulham, who we are probably getting relegated. Like we, you know, we're going to be the, you know, no disrespect to West Brom or Sheffield United, but that's, we're, we're going to be the West Broms and Sheffield Uniteds of, of the Super League. And I feel like maybe you could say, well, look, the first season it happens, there'll be some novelty factor. But I, I genuinely do think it will get really boring really quickly if there's a 20 team league where 15 teams are in it year in, year out. You know, what makes European football special is that it's rare. I mean, I remember when Peter Crouch scored that header against Man City, like you said, to qualify for the Champions League for the first time. And it was such a huge moment because we weren't playing those teams year in, year out. Getting to the Champions League final, Lucas Moore scoring that hat-trick. I mean, one of the greatest moments in our history, only a year or two ago in a competition that we've now taken a collective dump on with a bunch of clubs who, let's be honest, don't care about Tottenham. Like, they just want us there to kind of fatten up the numbers for this league and probably to have a team who they know they can beat week in, week out. So and I'm really angry at Daniel Levy as well for some because, you know, I thought I was going to come on this podcast and say I was Levy out because of the Mourinho thing and because he sacked another manager, gone, gone through what, his 12th, 13th manager in 20 years running the club with only one trophy. But now he's, re- you know, what was supposed to be the advantage of Levy, you'd say, well, look, his football decision making leaves a lot to be desired, but you can't argue with his financial running of the club and I've seen some Spurs fans say look what do you expect him to do if this thing is happening if this thing is the future like you said with Arsenal you want to be on the inside rather than not and in a way hasn't he done a great job to 
grow Tottenham to a position whereby we can be in this thing. But the fact of the matter is we're seeing the ramifications of this now. This is a, a very delicate point where, as you said, it could go either way. There could be some serious repercussions and punishments for this. Our very Premier League position now potentially is at stake. And for someone who's supposed to be an intelligent businessman, for him not to consider the repercussions of this and, and think about how this could really, really backfire in a spectacular way, it's just so reckless. And and you mentioned the Mourinho thing, and certainly I think the announcement, like you said, isn't a coincidence. But I also think it's quite telling that I think obviously the main reason why Mourinho was sacked to kind of move us towards this topic a little bit is because he'd lost the dressing room, not because he'd lost the fan base. But supposedly, according to some well-connected journalists, part of the thinking was also the fact that they knew the fans were turning and they were worried about what the fan response would be once they got back to the stadium. So that shows that they do have, they are attuned to fan sentiment. They are aware and sensitive of what fans think when it comes to this. But clearly they haven't taken the fan thought into consideration whatsoever when it comes to the the, the Super League. Because you've seen now the kind of universal, uh, universal condemnation Spurs fans aren't happy about this. They feel, you know, most Spurs fans I've seen feel completely embarrassed to be associated with this. I mean, it tarnishes our reputation now for the foreseeable future, even if this doesn't end up happening. The other clubs in the Premier League aren't going to forget about this. You know, we're going to get booed up and down the country, right, and seen as the bad guys here. And how, and the fact that they snuck the statement out, you know, near to midnight on a Sunday, right, shows that they know that fans aren't going to be happy about this. So how he can be attuned to fan sentiment when it comes to the manager decision, but then not when it comes to something like this, just underlines to me how really these clubs don't care about us when it comes to the Super League. They don't care what the fans think. They're going to try and ram this through, presumably because they think eventually we'll just roll over and accept it because it will happen and then it will be the biggest show in town. And like other things before it, it will just become the main attraction. And, and maybe, who knows, in five, ten years' time, it, it will just be the norm and we'll think, oh, you know, what was all the fuss about but it but it does feel I think the closed shop aspect does make it feel like something different and something quite existential and it does just go against the very nature of what football is meant to be about which is that that competition that being said if if we're being on because I was about to say you know the fact that someone like Leicester can win the league but the fact that Leicester winning the league was seen as such a miracle in a way shows us how much the big six already do dominate the Premier League I mean OK, the Premier League isn't the closed shop, but let's be honest, there's a handful of teams in the Premier League where it doesn't matter how bad they do, they're not getting relegated because of how big they are financially. So, which I guess goes back to my point about how this is bigger than just unravelling the Super League in a way you need to completely try and make football more equal. But maybe, like you said, the only way you do that is by having this sort of breakaway. And because I think for the other 14 Premier League teams... I mean, this, this is the thing. If Tottenham weren't involved in this, I think, brilliant. Finally, we might have a chance of actually winning the Premier League. And surely in the long run, coming back to the Levy point, that's where more the value is. Think, actually, hang on. It's clear that this thing's going to meet resistance. It's clear that there could be some serious repercussions if it backfires. Imagine the PR win you could get by not being one of these teams. Yeah. And if it does all go wrong and they leave, you've then got the league. I mean, the fact that Bayern Munich and, and PSG, I mean, we've made PSG look like the good guys here. I mean, the fact that those two clubs haven't jumped on board with it tells you something. I mean, part of it, as I said, with Bayern Munich might be the German ownership model. But yeah, I don't know. Like you said, it's all just so up in the air and hard to really know what's going to happen next. And even with the Mourinho thing, it's like, how excited or interested do I get about this? Because what does it mean? You know, when it comes to hiring a a new manager to to replace Mourinho, are they going to think, well, hang on a minute? what job am I taking here? Are we going to be in the Super League thing? Are we still going to be in the Premier League? Are we going to be in the Champions League? Like, surely this now impedes us when it comes to picking a a new manager because they're not going to know what they're getting themselves in for. And actually, Levy might think they're getting them an even bigger job by saying, look, you can be one of the first managers in the European Super League. But it might become something that the players and managers actually don't want to be associated with, particularly if UEFA are able to follow through on these threats of banning anybody who takes part from other competitions. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, as, as we could probably tell from your response and my response, we're both kind of reacting. To, I mean, it's obviously it's an ongoing story. By the time this podcast comes out, there probably have been new developments in it as well. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I just don't... I don't know what to say, because, like... I was about to say something quite 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 poignant but now i've forgotten because that's that's the feeling we have i'll tell you what it was it was everything pales into insignificance 
what's what's the point of talking about the Europa League semi-final when we've just left whatever the European thing is? We probably won't be in it. We'll probably have to give Villarreal and Roma a bye. I'd, what are we playing for now for the rest of the season? You're supposed to have a cup final, but your two teams are disgraced. And it's not like you're playing for Europe. And it's, with all due respect, you've got Ryan Mason suddenly. Like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? 24 <laughs> hours ago, the football was normal, and you had Jose Mourinho about to win the trophy, probably, because he's good in finals. Now Spurs become the first club he hasn't won like a proper trophy at, and and Spurs are suddenly a super club. It just, I just don't get it. Like, what now? When those statement came out, came out the statements came out on the Arsenal website. I was like, I was like, what? You've written like two lines and then pasted some press release, and it was so cold the way they did it. You know, you would have thought if they're going to do it, it's going to be exciting. It's almost like a botched PR plan. It's almost like they, someone sent the PR release out by accident and like, were like, oh my God, retrieve, 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 because they had time to respond and it looks like they didn't... The only thing it looks like, the only thing it looks like they may have put in between the leak and last night and why it was so late and not on time, as people reporting, was the midweek element. Because when I read it, I thought, oh, why have you said midweek? Because I was getting the impression that it was, it was like permanent thing. Um, I someone was saying to me, "Well, we can't play games every day." But I said, "Well, hold on. You, if the Champions League wasn't there, and there was this, as you said, like anyone can be promoted and relegated, and it's a league, and it's all the big clubs, and it probably would be those. You, you, it could probably actually be those clubs. The founding clubs could be eventually the super club in that super league anyway. But at least there'd be that chance for everyone else to come up and down. Um." You know, you could play West Brom on the Saturday, Madrid on the on the Wednesday, back to Middlesbrough on the Sunday, then over to um, Man City, play them in Bangkok on, on, on the on the Tuesday. I mean, you could do it, but I don't know. Maybe this again, logistically, maybe clubs will get bigger. As in, instead of these thirty-man squads, you have sixty-man squads. We'll pick up everyone. From all the lower leagues, all these talents, you know. All right, we'll take Grealish. You take uh, uh, Barnes. I, I don't know. You, you, you take Madison, and you have a team that you put out for the, the Super League and a, and a mix and match for the Premier League. And I don't know. I mean, this makes sure that the domestic cups mean nothing now. I mean, if the League Cup meant nothing before, now it really is the Mickey Mouse Trophy. Um, FA Cup, I don't think can go ahead. Really, there's no. What's the point? Again, what's the point? You know, the only point really of being in the Premier League from then on is to win the trophy. Otherwise, there is literally no incentive. I can't see this going ahead. I just can't see it, but it probably will. But until I see it, I can't believe it. It just feels like someone said to me the other day, or other day, it feels like it's been days. They said to me today, it feels like an April Fool's joke. Everything that keeps coming after it feels like another joke like they're doubling down the joke and it's like okay it was it, it wasn't really funny the first time but like okay you can you can come out of hiding now but <laughs> gary neville said something before about like joel glazer never puts his name on something he said but when a man united owner puts his name on something and signs it and real madrid's president is like leading the front you've got to think it's something serious i don't know i don't know what right the government and all these bodies have to intervene the only intervention they can say is you're banned from everything, and the Super League clubs will say, fine, we'll make it even bigger and better. But I'm shocked. I am shocked that some, I'm shocked that all of these clubs agreed to it. You kind of expect a couple of the clubs to be into it, the new money type clubs. But the old traditional clubs, but again, it must have been an exciting proposition. You don't get all those clubs and all that funding and all that broadcast interest for, for a silly idea that people shut down this has been you know they must have put some serious risk management into this and i think they know the numbers work out even if we all turn our back trust me there are people in other countries who love our clubs and they'll pick up the pieces they don't care but we've known they don't care for a long time i um i don't know the fact that we're not even speaking barely about jose Mourinho being sat to I mean hello this would uh <laughs> 
the story for the next hundred podcasts. But, but what, you're right. It's like, well, what difference now? Because who cares if you win the League Cup? Who cares if you finish top four now? Well, yeah, that's the thing because, <laughs> yeah, like, what's the point? Fancy got a, out the window now. What's the point? No one cares. We've got a cup final on on Sunday for a cup that, yeah, if, if we have our way with the European Super League, like you said, there's probably not room for in the calendar. At least clubs like us wouldn't be competing in it. And and what's the point of trying to finish in the top four because we don't want to be in the Champions League anymore, apparently. Um. And the whole thing about, you know, like you said, for weeks now, it's been Mourinho, will he, will he stay, will he go? And I must say, I and a lot of other Spurs fans had gotten to the point where things had just got so kind of toxic and divisive under Jose. Where we thought, you know what, screw it, sack him and, and bring in Ryan Mason for the, for the cup final. Because at least then if we lose, you know, we, we lose being Spurs and it's a Spurs, a, a true Spurs man in the dugout and whatever happens, happens, but at least this dark cloud would have been lifted. But now it's like, poor, you know, poor Ryan Mason, he's getting this chance to manage his boyhood club in the cup final and, and it's tainted. No, you know, no, nobody cares. And, and, why, and why should they care? And like, it was already, I was thinking, how excited am I going to get about this cup final with, with Mourinho and it being against Man City and Kane's injured. Will he play? Won't he play? Oh, De Bruyne's injured. Oh, but who cares? It's Man City. They've still got great players. We won't have Kane. Da, da, da. And then this comes out and it's like, well, everything just, like you said, pales into insignificance because you don't know how much stock you should put in it. How much stock do I put in this cup final? How much stock do I put in the end of the Premier League when our very membership of the Premier League almost is, is, is at stake? Right? How, how do you get invested in the game itself? Like you, you were mentioning the Monday Night Football coverage there actually having the Leeds-Liverpool game kind of felt like a, a sideshow in, irre- in irrelevance. It was like you just wanted to see Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher talk more because it's like that's that's the story. What's happening on the pitch right now just seems like it's taken a back seat to, to what's now going to happen in, in boardrooms and in, in courtrooms. And I don't know, but I guess I guess to talk about Mourinho somewhat, you, you seemed quite perplexed by this decision and, and particularly the fact that, that Ryan Mason will be kind of a an interim but I, I don't know where it's come from like I, I you know we've spoken about this the Spurs fans say oh maybe the end of the season I didn't see any social media rumors I didn't hear anything about anything he's just got yeah it is I mean it is very sudden in the sense that I think I think we all thought that if Mourinho was getting sacked it would be at the end of the season so for it to happen now suggests to me that things were much worse behind the scenes than than we thought. And I do think the Everson game on Friday night was a turning point. I know we didn't lose. And under any other circumstances, you might say a draw away at Everton, not a bad result. But the two goals we got were completely against the run of play out of the blue, Harry Kane, wonder strikes. And the overall performance was so, just so bad, so lifeless, so devoid of ideas, so devoid of confidence. And I think it's been clear for a while now I mean, I think any other Spurs manager who wasn't called Jose Mourinho would have been sacked after the Zagreb game. I think he's lasted longer than any other manager would have done because of his reputation. Oddly, because of the cup final. I thought, well, he'll give him the cup final because he'll think, well, it's Mourinho. It's our best chance of winning the cup. And, and he's got us there. But, but it, it says something that we, we clearly think that our best chance of winning the Carabao Cup is through not even really a new manager bounce because Ryan Mason's not going to take over permanently unless it's kind of a Solskjaer situation now, but a, a Jose is gone bounce. And it's bizarre because I was listening to another uh, Spurs podcast I listened to, Good Old What a Night, and they were saying the ironic thing is if you were about to play a cup final against Man City and, and said you can have any manager come in and manage you for this cup final to win it, Mourinho would probably be the guy you'd pick, right, to come in and win you that, win you that game. But the fact that we think we actually stand a better chance without him, I don't know, maybe you'd say that's a silly decision, but I think it just speaks to how much he clearly had lost the dressing room. And I think when you think of all the players who he sidelined, Bale, Delhi, Winks, Rose, the fact that Alderweireld now, you know, I think the whole same coach, different players comment after the Newcastle game was a bit of a turning point as well. Mm. I think he just burnt one too many bridges and when I saw when the, when the camera cut to Levy during the Everton game 
and he was looking at his phone you know people put up pictures on twitter kind of joking like oh he's googling eddie howe's phone number or whatever but he did look like a guy who thought you know what this is and, and i actually wonder whether because there's all this stuff now about nagelsmann and Bayern munich and i wonder whether they thought look if if we want if we stand any chance of getting nagelsmann we need to act now. We can't wait for the end of the season because Bayern might sweep in it. And, get, and look, Bayern will probably still get him anyway. But I think they think if Nagelsmann really is their main target, then I think they've thought we just need to cut the cord with Jose now because if we wait till the end of the season, it's not happening. And I wonder whether that, as much as anything else, was, was a motivating factor as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I what are the things that you think made that leadership toxic. I mean, he mentioned players being sidelined. It just felt like it happened quite covertly this time. Like, with United, you kind of knew, you know, you heard about the Pogba thing and there was there was certain, like, things really explicit. I mean, he did kind of do, you know, across the line, you knew how he was talking about Bale. Ali was very publicised. Winks went out, came out of nowhere. But, but what was the straw that broke the camel's back? I think... For me, the the Europa League exit was definitely a moment where I thought, okay, I think he he's getting sacked at the end of the season unless we win we win the cup and finish top four. But I think you look at our form since the start of the year, really, and we haven't. I think the only top half side we've beaten is Aston Villa, and that was uh, Aston Villa without Grealish, who aren't really a, a top half side. I think if you take Grealish out over the course of the whole season I don't think Villa is as high as they are now so I think the results coupled with and and particularly what was said after the Zagreb game as well Lloris talking about the lack of togetherness in the team and I think I think the I think Bale's a big factor here you know Bale came in was on a great run of form Okay, it was only Burnley, it was only Palace, it was only whoever you want to say, but he was scoring goals, he was looking good, it was looking like, okay, finally we're getting what we, that Bale, Kane, Son trio. And then we lost the North London derby, he took off Bale for Sissoko in the second half, and I don't think he played Bale since. And I think Bale was a big sort of passion project for Levy bringing him back. And I think once it became clear, he'd, he'd basically ditched Bale. I think those comments about Alderweireld after the was it after the Newcastle game where he said he came back late from international break when actually he hadn't? I think it was when he... Because I think with, with Jose, you always know he's going to... Actually, I'll tell you what I think the turning point was now thinking about it. Because I was going to say, you always know he's going to isolate some players. He's going to exile some players. And at the start of the season, it looked like it would be Delhi. Yeah. And I think the club maybe accepted, look, he's going to uh, cause some enemies, but as long as the result's going good and broadly everyone's with him, it's fine. But I actually think in January, there was a key moment there where the club backed the players over the manager. They didn't get rid of Delhi in January. Mm. There's that chance to send him out on loan to PSG or to get rid of him, and they didn't. And I think in that moment, it sent the signal. I mean, this is pure speculation as, as yeah. to what impact would have on the team, but that sends a signal to the players as to who's really in charge here. And I think once they then had a, a disillusioned Delhi who'd been denied the chance to go and link up with Poch, and let's be honest, maybe go and win the Champions League, and then he exiles Bale on top of that, after it looked like he was finally getting him in, into the team. And we already knew we had an upset Winks, and we already saw in the Amazon documentary had an upset Danny Rose. Bergvine, I don't know what's happened to him. Then he goes on Alderweireld. I think it just simply got, he'd, he'd annoyed one too many players. But I think if you're looking for a turning point, because obviously in December, you know, top of the league. But in January, the only teams we were beating were teams you'd expect us to beat anyway. And I just wonder, yeah, whether that, now I think about it, out loud, that moment where the board went with Delhi over Mourinho, which I think was a sensible thing to do because Delhi is a, if he gets back in, on form, is a big asset and you don't want to lose him for, I mean, what Lingard's doing at West Ham is really what Delhi should be doing at PSG, right? Yeah. So I just wonder, yeah, whether that was a turning point and then the players knew, do you know what? We're going to outlast this guy and, and we're fed. And all the criticisms of the players as well, I think they just thought, when we're not putting up with this and we don't have to put up with this and, and we can, we're going to last longer than you. And I just think Mourinho now questions about, you know, whether he's, he's passed it or not, but I think it's very hard to see how, where he goes from here and what club he can walk into where he's going to have 
the authority and the command and the respect of the dressing room because at Chelsea United now Spurs, the, the, the players have, have got rid of him because they don't put up with it anymore. You saw the Popper interview that came out before the Everton game. Players just don't respond to that sort of man management anymore. Maybe they do to begin with. Maybe you get kind of an instant rush of results, but week in, week out, that those sort of mind games, that sort of you're in, you're out, you don't know why, they just don't respond to it. And I think um, maybe punditry or international football is, is his future. I think it'll be fascinating, though. I reckon Mourinho now will come out very strongly against the Super League and try and make it seem as if he's some sort of martyr for football and try and make people think that the Super League had some sort of role to play in his sacking. But I really don't think it did, considering it was kind of rumoured for months now that the club were looking at other options. But for that for that news to break, the morning after the Super League is just... Um, it feels almost like the, the season finale of football. <laughs> I was going to say, very dramatic. I mean, it almost feels like, and linking again to the Super League, it's a reputational thing that Spurs saw. He was reputa- uh, damaging the reputation of the club. And they're thinking, well, if we're supposed to be among the elite, we can't have a manager basically devaluing our club every week. You wonder whether that's something to do with it. But I guess by that logic, Arteta should be long gone. And I, I've got to be honest, I did not see Jose leaving before Arteta. I really didn't. I mean, <laughs> you know, Spurs had this big manager in place. We've been terrible for two years, let's be honest. And I wonder what happens with him. I mean, he probably, I don't know if he can't believe his luck. Like, oh my God, he's going to get the blank check. Do we do, can do what he wants. Or whether the club will just be like, all right, thanks, mate. We're going to go get Allegri now. Or even sweeter, let's go get Jose. Take <laughs> <laughs> Spurs. How, how funny would that be? But again, it, again it's this pale into insignificance. I almost don't care. I've almost stopped caring already over like 24 hours. I'm like, okay, like... Bring in any manager you want. Yeah, put put Haaland in an Arsenal shirt. But if you're going to have Mbappe in a Spurs shirt, it all just equals each other out. Is that exciting? Yes. But the novelty will wear off. It's a bit like when you play FIFA. There are other video games available, of course. I'm sure there'll be like super, super, super um, video games. And... You, know, you build your team with your financial takeover, people compare it to, and you're like, all right, well, I've... I've just won the league three times in a row with Ronaldo and Messi up front. Now what? Does it become like that? I mean, we're unfortunate enough to not have seen our clubs dominate like United and City have at times in the Premier League. Um, I wonder how fun it is. You know, you see with City fans after winning the league every time, they're like, all right, next, let's get the Champions League. So what happens when you're just like, yeah, again, we're we're 10th in the... Super League every time, and there's no chance of going up or down. There was always something a bit slightly charming, and I said it ages ago about, like, I was happy to see Arsenal drop down a bit in the league to see something different. And and there is something about that, that change that is oddly settling in football that you know, it, it's what makes the high is high, because you don't know it's going to be a high. It, it's the unpredictableness of it all. You know, those moments like Arsenal versus Barcelona in the Champions League where you know we are absolute rubbish in comparison to them and we go and win. And they've got the best team in the world at the time. It's those sort of things. And that, that I wonder whether it just, like you said, we become the lower league teams of this league and maybe it will serve us a bit right, our, our clubs, for being greedy, for not realising that their, their privilege. Um I don't know. I mean, again, moving it to our Arteta, just to just to spread the load a bit, because I feel like we've we've gone for Spurs a bit, and Arsenal have a lot to answer for as well. But but like all these debates we've had, and all these results and all these performances we've analysed, has this whole season been for nothing? In fact, has the has the last ten seasons been for nothing? Apart from winning the FA Cups, we've just been building up to this moment where really we don't care. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how fast this is going to go either. Are we going to be waiting months for the end of the season and talking about it? 
They're going to go into these legal battles. We need to know by a certain point. You know, there are fans, if they're coming back into stadiums, they need to know whether they're going to Sydney or Croydon. <laughs> it's true. It's a big thing. Well, and you said about, you know, Arsenal and your, and your season. I mean, like you said, I mean, ordinarily we'd be maybe previewing your Europa League semi-final, but, and, and it was pretty much Europa League or bust your season. I think Arteta even said that exact quote, but... What semi-final? If, it, well, exactly. If UEFA have their way, you're going to be kicked out of this semi-final. So your whole season now has been for nothing because of a decision that your own club made. And apparently without the manager or players, they've been doing all the hard work. I mean, well, that's the scandalous thing. I mean, watching Monday Night Football now and Jurgen Klopp and even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer yesterday, the managers and the players who had nothing to do with this are having to answer questions about it. Whereas all the owners who who think this is the best thing since sliced bread don't have the bravery to come out and explain why and, and, and face questions. And I mean, how angry would you be as a player? I mean, particularly look whether or not they'll actually be able to do this or if that actually happened. But the very fact that they're threatening to ban players from playing in the Euros or the World Cup, I mean, how angry would you be at your club for trying to do this without telling you and potentially jeopardising your own career and players have their own sponsorship deals and commercial agreements, which, which could be harmed by this? I mean, in a way, I kind of feel like the players and the managers here are the only ones who can derail this because this European Super League, if it doesn't have the best players, it's nothing. And we've, I mean, in a way, linking it to, to Mourinho and even Arsenal, if you want, player power. We see players can bring down managers. Can they now bring down chairman and bring down a league? Because if the players say, no, we're not playing with it, we're, we know we're not going to play. I mean, Mbappe already at PSG isn't part of this thing. Haaland at Dortmund isn't part of this thing. They're the two, they're the next Messi and Ronaldo. Who wants to watch European Super League without Mbappe or Haaland? Yeah. If, all the, if all the players who are in it say, nah, we don't want to be in it, then they don't have a product to sell. So I feel like, if anything, the, the, the onus now kind of, I don't know if in a way this is putting them in an unfair position, but I feel like the players now have all the power. And if they want to sink this thing, they can. And we've seen now much more sort of socially conscious, much more active generation of player with the taking of the knee, with Marcus Rashford, with the school meals. I mean, do you think that the, the, the players will... Could, could bring us down to think they'd be angry about it? Or do you think actually there's a lot of players who maybe are thinking, do you know what, I don't care, or, or great, I, wa- I want to be in it? I mean, I don't know. Could you imagine Arsenal players taking a stance on this? I, I'd like to think Spurs players would, but at the end of the day, I mean, they've signed contracts with their, with their clubs. Can they get out? I mean, it's just all... There's so many different possibilities, aren't there? I mean, yeah, but I, I think no, because... We're watching Leeds and Liverpool line up like nothing's happened. And they're playing. There's no protest. Players are playing their game. They're 1-0 up at half-time. It's over. Whatever's happening is happening. They're going to continue like normal. They're just going to play. And it's almost, it's almost like they've done it on purpose, the owners. They haven't involved them because they've said, you just keep doing what you're doing. Jürgen, you go out, do your press conference, whatever you say. You go manage the team. You go and win the game. And whatever. I mean, it's tough because yeah. what Jurgen Klopp said before the game as well, I thought it was quite interesting where he said, look, us and the team and the football and Carragher made a similar point, it, it's separate from the owners and what they're doing. So, you know, don't take it out on us because we're not involved. We're still playing football. You know, let's not get rid of that bond between the supporters and the team. But the only way really that, that fans can protest against this is by, in a way, harming the team, is by either not going to games or, or boycotting things or taking down banners or, or what have you. So it's kind of, you can only, you know, if you think keeping your club out of this is protecting your club, the only way to, to protect your club potentially in the long term is by harming it in the short term. I mean, I don't think players are going to go on strike. Gary Neville said, look, that's not something he necessarily expects them to do, but maybe behind the scenes, they might do things, but but it's tricky because, yeah, you want to support your club and you can't just turn your feelings towards your club off and on, like you know, like a light switch. It, it's something that's been with you most of your life. It's a, a family thing for many people. But if you don't agree with what the club is doing, then then how do you vocalise that? How do you mm. put the pressure on them? It, it, they've In a way, they've put supporters in a tricky position and maybe they think we'll just 
accept it and and move on but you, i mean with the, the, the scenes outside Ellen road tonight with fans protesting it does seem they've really underestimated the anger particularly from all the other because you know at most the only people who would have been in favor of this in england are supporters of the big six clubs mm. and yet even we're not interested in it i mean maybe there are some fans of big six clubs who are or at, at best kind of you know they don't mind they go along with it whatever but the anger in the rest of the Premier League is is really real and, and strong. And I think the owners seem to have completely underestimated that here and, and just don't understand public opinion, it seems like. It's interesting you mentioned Klopp before. I mean, I, I you know me, I like to keep an eye on the betting odds. And earlier, I just thought, hmm, I wonder, like with all those Klopp quotes coming out, what's what's going on there? And he, was, he went to 10 to 1. He was one of the favourites to leave. Then he did that interview and I looked again and he'd gone to favourite to be to, to be next manager to leave. And I wonder, like, it's these big poignant stands, as you say, that are going to make the difference. The fans protesting, it's the equivalent of what happens in society when people protest for things. They make a lot of noise, but they don't make much impact, unfortunately. And I think, you know, it's all very nice, like 100 Leeds fans going outside. It's not going to do it. They do that when their team lose and they want to sack the manager. It's the same impact. It's, 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 and you know, it's all very well if, um, I'm not going to name any names, but, but uh, a subpar reserve for your club goes on strike. All right, thanks. They really want to play you anyway. But if your main striker, your midfield marshal, your goalkeeper and your manager all say we're done, cancel my contract that's that's when it becomes real and I mean, i'm trying to think if there's any precedent for this and again it goes back to to the premier league i mean i'm going to do some more research in it because i'm interested at, at whether there was uproar at the time i think there was but this is another, another ball game and i mean i'm confused I, I don't know where we we as fans you and i go from here because you know what makes the 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 derby so special is that again? It's rare, and it's and it's something about the interaction with the other teams as well in the country and that national pride. And then what's it going to be now? It's going to be uh, that North London, uh, that just English game again. Mm. It is weird. It's almost like something bringing us together, but in, in a in a weird PR way for the clubs. It's like Arsenal are collaborating with Tottenham, which makes me sick. Why are we doing that? But also at the same time, we're bringing you down with us. It's a very, very awkward situation. It feels it feels very conflicted. Well, it's bizarre, isn't it, that Arsenal and Tottenham could at the same time on you know, on the same night put out the same statement and both be a part of this. But but then the supporters groups are kind of uniting in opposition to it as well. Um, on on the Premier League, on the formation of the Premier League, one book that I'd recommend to everyone about the formation of the Premier League is called, I've just Googled it to double check the title and authors, but it's called The Club. And it's by Joshua Robinson and Jonathan Clegg. And it's all about the formation of the Premier League. Absolutely fascinating book. And I seem to remember from when I read it, that it basically said in that, that something like this was inevitable, because ultimately the same forces that led to the formation of the Premier League, the top clubs wanting a, a bigger piece of the pie, essentially, were always going to then manifest themselves again at at a European scale and it makes you wonder how long it will be until there's a breakaway from the European Super League <laughs> until the top eight teams or ten teams in the European Super League say do you know what we're the best teams in this league it's always us winning it every year these other teams are holding us back we're going to make our own thing like you know where where does this end and you know at some point you have to draw the line and say do you know what what we've got is is fine we don't need to change it i mean you know in a way football's always changed the premier league the, the way the champions league is now isn't how it used to be i mean the, the new champions league reforms aren't great they're going to have teams qualify based on history rather than the merit for, for some of the spots so yes things are always going to change but this seems to be just that one step too far and i guess it's just that hope that that people will be talked back but even if we are kind of i worry now about our reputations of our clubs moving forwards, even if it doesn't happen, you know, people aren't going to forget about this in a hurry. And I just wonder what that does to, to to the brand, you know, in a way this potentially damages something that's meant to kind of 
take the brand into the stratosphere theoretically is the the thing that maybe could do more damage to it than than anything else mm. i agree with you it doesn't make sense you know you would have thought all the audits would be there and but again that's why i think they've figured it out that the the, the, the temporary loss will be worth it for the massive gains in the long term yeah and i mean yeah it's just so weird like you said we've been talking for nearly an hour now and, and probably only what maybe 10 minutes at most about Mourinho getting sacked there's nothing about the football because the football you know if you want to ask me what my opinion on Arsenal whatever what what the Arsenal we talk about from foot the Fulham game is gone if this thing goes ahead or if it doesn't go ahead because they're going to be punishments because they'll have to be and, and things will change. We'll either end up starting with Timu Puki up front next year. Good player. Or Harland. Good player, though. Yeah. Timu Puki, good player. Yeah, because, like, yeah, like, we could talk about the Europa League semi final. We talk, could talk about the Carabao Cup final. But genuinely, are they even going to happen? Like, yeah. and, and we, we could talk about who replaces Mourinho, but what, what league are they managing in next season? It's. Remember what country they're going to be managing it. If what manager's going to want to go all around the world all year round? It's not very nice and settling for players and managers and their families. I mean, imagine you've signed. I was saying this the other day to someone about. I keep saying the other day because it feels like so long. Everything's been happening. It's been a long twenty-four hours. Um, it's a bit like an employment contract. You sign your contract and you say, "This is your place of work. I work at the Emirates Stadium, but I'm happy to once in a while, as my employer needs me to, work elsewhere." Well, if your employer suddenly turns around and says, okay, but you're, you're going to Beijing today and then you're going to uh, Johannesburg the next and then New York and then thing. I mean, it sounds like a dream. Not very really a stable career, is it? It's a bit, it's all over the place. I don't know how it, it works. It's dangerous. It's exhausting. And to do it in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> when we're, we're closing our board. I mean, what, like, why? Like, what is, Why? I yeah, saying, it's not very eco, is it? Either flying around uh, the world every week and all the fans as well. To, <laughs> it's just so short-sighted. Imagine if you're studying like some sort of sports degree, your content's out of date already. Yeah. Oh, it's just so. And you're like, a, if you're like a trainee at Sky Sports or working at the Premier League, you're like, mm, I think I need to get brush out my CV. I don't yeah. know. Football is one of those constant things, even though it's unpredictable. You know, we, we know that for the most part, we're going to come again next season, wipe, uh, wipe slate clean. We could get top four. We're going to be talking about how Harry Kane scored another hat trick and how he's rubbish and that Bama Yang needs to cut his hair. I don't, I don't know. And now, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess the, the, the final, uh, in a way, toughest question of all that I'd ask is, a lot of people have kind of said, you know, if if this goes ahead and and it does end up being a, a full breakaway, so the clubs aren't in the Premier League at the same time. Some people have said, right, that's it. I've, you know, I've supported this club for X number of years, but but I'm done. Are there any circumstances under which you could imagine you turning your back on Arsenal, or even if this goes ahead, and even if it comes at the expense of Arsenal's place in the Premier League, are you going to still be with them because? Mm. it's just you're, you're too invested you wonder if it's a bit like when you like old musicians who die but their music lives on and you listen back to their music you know you watch those highlights you have the signed shirts the books and you just remember but the new stuff just isn't good it's a knockoff there, there's that feeling um i don't know if you can just cut the tap i'm certain if it went ahead i'd want to keep an eye out and that would be my team in the super league it would. I don't know why I'd be interested in anything else. If everything else is boring, why would I suddenly change teams? I mean, it's all very well to make a stand, but I don't think it's that easy. It's 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 an emotional connection. It's like a relationship with the club. It's not just a oh, you know what? I fancy that horse to win the race today. It's a, it's a difficult thing. And I think people that are claiming they could do that are deluding themselves a little bit. But but I do understand that if it does if it does dilute and really not work out, but then I think we'd come back into the football pyramid system low and you'd support them anyway. I don't I don't know what it would take my club to do 
in order for me to disown them. I don't think this is it. I can't tell you for sure because I don't know what the implications are going to be. I'm not. I'm not sure. How about you? I think if you know if this was running alongside the Premier League, you could feasibly just ignore it, right? If you really were against it, and just say, look, I follow my team in the Premier League. I don't care about the Super League because it's a closed shop. It's not a real tournament. Da da da. But if your involvement of it came at the expense of being in your domestic league, I'd find it very difficult to still follow Spurs with anywhere near the the passion I do now, because it's not at, at that point. If if that were to happen, if it really were to be that sort of breakaway, which to be fair is not what the clubs want, but it could be a potential punishment or consequence of them pursuing this if they're that desperate to do so. If that were to happen, it's not the same team anymore. It's not. It's not what you got into in the first place mm. and I think for me you know it's like I, I do have a, a second team in Grimsby Town because I was born in Grimsby Grimsby Town were the first football team I saw live but Spurs are my main team because they're who my dad supports they're who his dad supports it's the family club and living abroad as a kid and then moving back to the UK and living down south Spurs were the team I was able to watch on TV every week and go and see and have a season ticket at so they've been my main club and Grimsby it's always been I keep an eye out for their results. I try and watch a match if I can. But I wonder whether it will it will flip around the other way in that Grimsby will become my main team who I invest more emotionally in. And if Spurs are off in some European Super League and out of the domestic game, I kind of just maybe keep an eye on their results, watch the odd game every now and again. But emotionally, it's it's not the same. I think, like you said, it all depends on what actually happens. Does this actually happen? If it does happen, does it actually happen in this format? But it's ironic that of the two teams I support, one is a, 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 a potential founder member of the European Super League and the other one is literally at the bottom of League Two about to be relegated to the National League. So it's literally one extreme to the other. And yeah, it's just odd to think of, could I abandon a European Super League team to support a National League team it would be kind of the big drop and, and trade-off but but maybe I would find more enjoyment out of watching a team in the National League than I would in the European Super League because let's be honest and I mean we were in the Champions League final only a couple of years ago so we know we can play and beat the best on our day but the, the shape Spurs are in at the moment and the other clubs that are in there we're going to be we're going to get slaughtered in this thing and what fun is it watching a, a team be the whipping boys of the European Super League when you could watch a team try to fight their way up the leagues? But then again, wh- what are they fighting their way up towards? I mean, I guess if you are following a, a real lower league club, you do get the highs of promotion because the reward is being in a higher league. But yeah, if you're in the Premier League and European football is kind of been cut off from underneath you, what are we all moving towards? I don't know. It, it's very... Um, I guess in a way, everything we've said today has kind of come around in circles and that, to be honest, we really don't know. And it is still a developing story. And maybe we'll look back on this day. Do you remember the 39th game? Do you remember the Premier League said they were going to yes. play the 39th game abroad? <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. maybe this is just a, a bigger version of the 39th game thing where they see the backlash. They very quickly just pack it away. And then in 10 years, there'll be all these articles being, oh, do you remember that mad week when we thought there was going to be this European Super League? Maybe that's what it will be. And I kind of hope that's what it will be. So we can all kind of just go back to the way things were. Because, you know, maybe some good could come out of a very messy breakup of football as we know it. I mean, there's definitely some things in football that I think we all agree do need to change. But when it's your club wrapped up in it and when the consequences could be so existential, it's it's hard to feel excited. And when, and when everything else in the, in the world is so stressful at the moment, you want football to be your escape. And, and a source of entertainment and for it now to be so just divisive and and you know the main news story right on the front pages instead of covid it's just where do we fight you know like maybe just by playing you mentioned fifa earlier the one thing that would sink this is if you can't play european super league games on on fifa on the playstation that that could be what could kill it because <laughs> Nobody wants a league where you can't then play play on it on the PlayStation. So maybe FIFA hold all the cards here, and FIFA 2022 
if they refuse to have a European Super League option or refuse to have the European Super League teams on the game, maybe that's the maybe that's the turning point. Yeah, the only the only positive I can think about everything right now is, you know, get some holidays, some nice places, go and watch Arsenal Spurs in Lisbon, do a podcast live from uh, I don't know the Maracana. Why not? Well, listeners can look forward to Cannon and Cockerel in, in 2024, live from Lisbon, as we watch Arsenal and Spurs finish, what, ninth and 10th in their uh, Super League group. Um, and we can argue between us over who's the, the worst team in the, the Super League. Mason Mert- versus Murtasaka, and it's live. <laughs> and it's live. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>